Father, we thank you for everything that you provide for us. Thank you for providing for each of our families food and clothing. Lord, with these, allow us to be content. It is no secret, Father, we dwell in one of the richest lands that has ever lived on the face of this earth more temptation to luxury, to eat, drink, and be merry than in many places and at many times. Most of us have never wanted or wondered where our food would come from tomorrow, let alone next week. For many of our houses are filled with enough food to feed us if they had to for months at a time. Lord, we would be foolish to think that our our hearts are not tempted to trust in these uncertain riches and to live for their sake. I pray that you would examine us and help us not to be deceived, not to love the things of this world more than we love Christ, but to chasten us and to turn us, to turn our affections to you and away from the world. May we not trust in riches. May you prepare us for a, a time and a day when we may not have or know where our next meal is coming from. May you give us a, a childlike faith and dependence that knows that you will provide all things. May we not trust in ourselves or in our bank accounts, in our homes, the clothing that we wear, but may we trust in you. Father, would you Send your spirit now to open our eyes and our hearts and our ears that we may be attentive to your word. Help us to believe what you have told us, what Christ has taught us about prayer. We would be a people who pray with great confidence, great boldness, with great expectation. Lord, we, we want to believe that we have that which we ask to believe that we will receive. Help us to seek you, to seek your face. Help us to know you. And help us, Lord, to, to see your desire and your great love for us. It's in Christ's name I do pray. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Now, some of you were surprised to see our beloved pastor away today. He is getting to visit uh, his brother Billy's church in Indiana. And so he will be back, I don't think, by this evening. But uh, we are grateful for his time to be away. He would be refreshed. So, this morning I get to deliver the word. And we will open in Luke chapter 11. And if you want to open to Luke 11... Verse 5, and I will begin reading there. Go ahead and stand. Luke 11, 5. <clears throat> Hear Christ's words to us today. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Amen. You can be seated. So 
So we're going to pick up here in this section that Jesus has been teaching on prayer. We've been looking at the model prayer and the way or the manner in which Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Uh, We're going to see that Jesus not only encourages his followers with what they should be praying, but he also gives instruction as to the manner, as to the method, uh, how they should be praying. And this is God's word, and this is God's instruction for us to guide our attitude, to guide our expectation when we pray. It is God's plan to use prayer as the means by which he brings about the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and in this world. It is God's plan to use prayer as the means by which he brings about the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and in this world. See, Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. He has been given to you as a gift. God has, Christ has sent his helper the Spirit of the living God, and placed Him within us. And you access that power source by praying in the way that Jesus taught you to pray. Prayer is a means. Prayer is a means. God empowers. God sends forth His Holy Spirit to accomplish His plan in the world. And He uses prayer to accomplish His will. You see, if if you wanted to dig holes for a living... Uh, you wouldn't sit down on the ground next to uh, the shovel or with your, your excavator parked there. Everybody know what an excavator is, right? The big arm with the bucket on the end that digs holes, okay? That's what an excavator is. You, you wouldn't just sit there on the ground and look at the shovel and look at the excavator and expect that a hole is going to be dug. If you were in the business of digging holes, you would understand that these are tools, these are means by which you have to exert energy in order to dig a hole. You've got to jump on the end of the shovel to force it into the ground and to pry it up. Uh, You've got to turn the key on and gently move the joysticks uh, in order to guide the bucket into the earth to scoop it up. Uh, If you want to be effective in seeing God's name hallowed, and seeing souls brought into his kingdom, to see his rule and his authority manifested in your life and in others, you must pray. Uh, Do you want to know Christ? Do you want to enjoy the goodness of God in your life? Then you must pray. God says prayer is a means by which the Holy Spirit goes forth and accomplishes his work in the world. He will give the Holy Spirit to those who pray. God doesn't need our prayers as if He is somehow incapable without them. Rather, He promises to use our prayers and to answer them. That is exactly what Jesus is trying to get His disciples to understand in this text. It's not that God's arm is short. It's not that He needs your help. It's that He has designed... This world and your spirituality and his kingdom to function upon prayer. A spoken, outward dependence, acknowledgement of our need for him in every area of our life. God promises to respond to our prayers with his supernatural power. God promises to respond to our prayers with His supernatural power. Let that that sink in. This is a promise that Christ is giving to us. God will do what He has promised. In today's passage, we're going to look at three different encouragements that should move us to pray with greater confidence, with greater expectation, greater reliance, knowing that we are actually accomplishing what God has commanded as we pray. So first here, Jesus tells a parable. He said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Uh, 
so this is this is a a parable that Jesus uses uh, to teach a shameless importunity in prayer. What does that mean, right? <laughs> now, not many of us would wake up in the middle of the night and need bread. And if we did wake up in the middle of the night and need bread, we'd probably go to Hy-Vee or Walmart, uh, which happens to be open 24 hours, right? But this was a this was a legitimate need for the the man in this parable. And I want to make just a few observations. Now, you'll see that this parable is actually contrasting something here. It's, it's actually showing us something in a negative light, even, to, to point out something in an even more positive light. Uh, so, observations here about the friend who asks, okay? The friend who asks in this parable is meant to, to be a depiction of, of us. This guy is like us. We are to find ourselves here uh, in this first man who is... Uh, who is asking. And this first man, he has a need. Okay, He has a legitimate need. In, in the ancient Eastern culture, uh, people would often travel at night because it's very, very hot during the day. And if someone arrived in the middle of the night, it would be the expectation of being a hospitable um, um, host to provide food for them. They're likely hungry. And this man has had a friend arrive in the middle of the night, and he has no food to set before him, and he has a genuine need. And in fact, it's not only a need for himself, but it's a need that is on behalf or in the interest of it. It primarily benefits another. And this man, he is shamelessly impudent, is the word that the the scripture translates. Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about that word. But he is he's bold. Uh, He's importunate is uh, importunity is where we get that word from. Um, Now, that the time it's not very convenient. Not very convenient to go get some bread from your neighbor in the middle of the night. And I was trying to think of, you know, the similar situation. What, what would I go to Brad's house for in the middle of the night at 12 a.m. and start throwing rocks at his window to get him to wake up because he wouldn't answer his cell phone? And, what I, and diapers Kathleen came up with. You know, maybe we ran out of diapers in the middle of the night, stores are closed, holiday. I don't know, right? Uh, that's, but we're fairly self-sufficient uh, culture these days. But the time was not convenient. And his friend was reluctant. His friend didn't want him to get, didn't want to get up and wake up all his kids and and get the bread that he needed. And even though his friend was reluctant, uh, this man wasn't thwarted. (laughs) He wasn't going to stop asking for bread. Even though it was a a bit of an imposition, it was a bit of uh, an audacious uh, request. A few observations about the friend who had the bread. Okay, now this friend who had the bread is actually not like God, and and this is the contrasting element of this parable. This this friend is actually not like God. Okay, Um, so this friend does not wish to be bothered in the middle of the night. He doesn't wish to be woken up. And if you were in the Eastern culture, you would sleep in a one-room house, all your kids around you, maybe even on the floor, um, where getting up or moving or doing anything was going to wake up the entire household. Uh, And he's sleeping. He doesn't want to wake up his kids. And his relationship as a friend isn't enough to cause him to to be willing to act. It's not because of his friendship with this man that he's willing to get up and and get him what he needs. Uh, They may be even really good friends, but that's not why he's doing what he's doing. Um, It's for the sake of getting this guy to go away. (laughs) It's for the sake of being able to get back to sleep that he finally gives in and says, yes, I'll get up and and I'll get you some bread uh, to to get rid of his unashamed friend. Now, you and I, again, we are like this man who needs the bread. In fact, Jesus is telling his disciples here, you need to be more like this man. Uh, You see, we have needs all the time. Actually, on a moment-by-moment basis, we have genuine, legitimate need both for ourselves and for those around us. But we are often not conscious of that. We're often not thinking about our need in every present moment. And yet we have an active, present, ongoing, regular need for the Spirit of God to work in our hearts and in the lives of those around us. 
we too many times think we've got this on our own. Think that we can handle this. Think that, hey, I'm doing all right. Uh, We don't acknowledge and recognize our need. When we pray, when we pray, we come for our own needs and for the needs of those around us. As we see this man here, his, his, his interest, his need, is on behalf of even his friend. When we pray, we come for the sake of others. We come seeking, as we looked at in the model prayer, we come for God to forgive us as a group, as a body, not just for ourselves. We come to ask Him to lead us not into temptation. So we only, we not only pray for our own needs, but we pray for the needs of the collective people of God. Uh, even interceding on behalf of those in authority, even interceding on behalf of those who do not know Christ, is how we are taught to pray. And we are taught to pray here by Jesus with this impudence. So what is this impudence? Now, the, the word here is not an easy one to translate into the English language. In fact, it's a hard one to translate even in the Greek, and it's the only instance that we see this word used in the Bible. So what is this impudence? Um, The word impudence means marked by a contemptuous or cocky boldness or disregard of others. So in in some senses, this is not the best word here. Because what Jesus is not teaching is a, a cockiness or a boldness or a disregard for others. Another way you could translate this is a importunity. Importunity means something is troublesomely urgent. You're overly persistent in a request or in a demand. Um, you, you might use the word uh, audacious or audacity. Like, you know, you have the audacity to wake me up in the middle of the night because you need some bread? Seriously? Like, I'm sleeping here. I Go to the store. Get your bread. Right? That's kind of the thoughts that would come through our mind if somebody... Or, or if, if uh, I went over to Tony's house and banged on his door in the middle of the night and said, Hey, Tony, Tony. And he's, you know, shaking, rising up and runs over. And I say, ah, yeah, I, I need a fishing lure. Can you get me a fishing lure? I don't, I don't know what Tony would say with me, but he would not be happy. Right? He would not, he would want to send me on my way. But if I kept at him and I said, no, I really need it now. I got to go night fishing and it just came to me and... If I just persisted over and over and over, I think I'd get the fishing lure. For nothing else than to get me to go away, right? So this this audacity or intrepid boldness, um, it's, a, it's a disregard of, of maybe normal rest, restraints. Uh, another word that could be used is uh, intrepid. Um, Audacity would be described as an intrepid boldness. What is intrepid? Well, it means to be characterized by resolute fearlessness, fortitude, or endurance. Uh, so that the idea here is that when we are coming before God with our needs, we should be unashamedly needy. Uh, we should be unashamedly urgent and persistent and resolute with fortitude and with endurance. That's the idea of what is being given here. It's not, it's not this cocky, arrogant, like, hey, give me what I want uh, so, I can, so I can get out of here. That, that's not what Jesus is teaching. It's an it's a unashamed boldness that understands that it is right for me to ask for that which I am pleading. Um, it's an importunate, it's a... Uh, aggressively persistent request, uh, a demand even, you could call it. And this is the manner which Jesus is commending prayer to be made. Now, now don't, don't misunderstand this. Jesus is teaching us here how to pray. He is teaching His disciples how to pray, the manner in which to pray. He's taught them what to pray. Now He's trying to teach them and help them understand the manner in which to pray. So we can see that we are to be like this friend in these ways. We are to be like this man who has an urgent need that he is boldly coming, even for something that isn't of dire emergency. No one's going to die if this bread doesn't show up, but he has a legitimate need. 
And we should, we should pray in this manner. Now, note the contrast here. While we are like the man who has the needs, God is not like this friend. Okay? God is not like this friend. Now, God is being placed or modeled as, as the one that we would pray to, right? So, in, in that sense. But he's, God is not like the example and the description of this friend that we see here. Uh, first of all, God never slumbers nor sleeps. You cannot bring a request to God in the middle of his nighttime. <laughs> you, you cannot find God off-duty or uh, sleeping in his chair or perturbed that you would be uh, disturbing his golf game or his hunting outing or, or his time with his children, right? You, you, can't, you cannot impose upon God, which is one of the reasons why Jesus is teaching that we should come with such an unashamed um, attitude. There should not be any time when you go to him where you feel like you're interrupting. You know, God, I know you're busy running the world and all and, you know, keeping this thing spinning and giving everybody oxygen and bringing like a hundred some babies into the world every second and all these new souls going out. You know, I know you're occupied with these things and keeping all hell from breaking loose. But if you could just lend me a few seconds that I could give you my request here, God, uh, it'll just be a moment. I'll just be real quick and then I'll be on my way. That's not, that's not the manner with which we should understand God and who He is. That's not how we come in prayer. The friend's relationship here was not enough to get him to act. Uh, the friendship alone was, was not a good enough reason, even though they were probably very good friends, Right? It wasn't their relationship that would cause this man uh, to, to get up and get bread. That's not the point. In, in fact, that point is very important. Because that point is actually what Jesus is trying to contrast with the reason why we should pray with unending boldness and unashamed demand for our request. It wasn't the friendship that made this man do what he did. It was the, I need some bread, please. I still need some bread, please. Are you in there? Because I know you're in there, and I know you had bread last night. That's why he gets up. Not because he loves his friend. Okay? God is not like this. First of all, God is not our friend. In fact, he is more than that. And Jesus is going to go on here in the next few verses to say, this is your father. This is your father. And if this man, who is not a father to a child here, if this man whose friendship won't even cause him to get up, if he will get up and respond to the request, how much more so do you think God, who is your father, will answer your requests when you come unashamedly, over persistently, begging Him to act. How much more so? This is the contrast that Jesus wants us to understand. How much more will your Father answer you when you cry to Him? He will never be annoyed. He will never be bothered, upset with your coming to Him. He is the perfect Father in heaven. We should be shamelessly persistent, urgent, and bold in our prayers. Shamelessly persistent and urgent and bold in our prayers. Listen to the psalmist here. Listen to some of the examples. Uh, do you pray like this? Psalm 17.1 Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. Psalm 27. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Psalm 30. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Psalm 54. O God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. 
Psalm 61, Hear my cry, O Lord, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 86, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble I call upon you, for you answer me. Do you pray with this kind of boldness, with this kind of unashamed acknowledgement that God will hear me? That He will have, give me His ear. That I will have His attention. That I'm not imposing or, or disturbing Him, interrupting Him. That actually Jesus is teaching me to pray in such a manner as this. In such a way as this, with an urgency and a boldness. Uh, the early church, as they were praying to God in the midst of persecution, in Acts 4.29, said, And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They were bold in their prayer. Bold in their requests. Bold in calling God to look and see what was happening to them and to act and to give them what they needed. Remember, prayer is a means by which God carries out His will on this earth. It is the way in which God's Holy Spirit will produce fruit in you and in others. When when you go hunting or fishing... Do you ever leave your, your weapons or your fishing rod behind and seek to kill the animal with your bare hands or to grab the fish uh, out of the water? No, no, you don't do that. You use the means of the gun or the bow uh, or the rod in order to capture your prey. You don't sit in a tree with a gun in your lap and wonder how you're going to kill the animal beneath you. You pick up the gun and you shoot it. You don't watch the fish jumping at the end of the line and wonder, how am I going to retrieve it? You reel it in. Brothers and sisters, don't expect God to work or to manifest His power and the work of His Spirit in your life or in the life of those around you if you will not pray. God has ordained this means as the way in which the Holy Spirit produces fruit in your life. He's ordained the means of prayer as the way that you will see the brothers and sisters built up. You will see the kingdom of God go forth. You will see God's name be hallowed among men. You will see forgiveness received and granted and temptation delivered from. This is the means that God has has given. Next, in verse 9 and 10, we see a command. A command for persistence in prayer. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Now, in the Greek, you can have verbs in, uh, in different moods, right? The mood here for these verbs is a, a present imperative. Uh, What that means is that when it says uh, ask and seek and knock, the the idea is that you keep on asking. Okay? It's not that you asked one time and received one time, or you knocked one time and received one time. Um, It's that you keep on asking. And by keeping on asking, you keep on receiving. And by keeping on knocking, doors keep on opening. This is, the, this is the idea, this is the mood behind uh, the verse that we are reading. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. If you ask, Jesus says, you will receive. This is both a promise and a command. Both an expectation that we should have as we pray, and both a duty that we are to carry out. Listen to what God says in Psalm 50. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Perform your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. God has said, call upon me, 
and I will deliver you. Call out to me, and he will answer. Brothers and sisters, believe what God is saying. Trust him. Take him at his word here. Pray with an expectation to receive what you are praying for. In fact, it's one of the best ways to know whether or not what you're praying for is something you should be praying for, right? Because I can boldly, with confidence, demand that which I am requesting of God, knowing that He will answer, knowing that it is in accordance with His will. Pray with expectation to find, with eagerness to see God direct the course of your life. God's sovereignty, His control over all things, is not something that should discourage you to pray. Uh, rather, it is the basis for it. Look at Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. This is a popular verse, and maybe rightly so for a number of reasons. Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So the first part of this verse is a statement about God's sovereign will and plan with his people Israel. God says, I am going to do this. God makes a statement. uh, What his plans are for Israel And like Israel, God does have a plan for His church. A sovereign plan to save His people. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is preparing a future kingdom. He is giving an everlasting hope. Very similar to what God did with Israel. And upon this basis, God says to His people by the prophet Jeremiah, upon this basis of our hope and our future, that cannot be changed, you pray. You call upon me. You come to me, and I will hear you. You seek me, and you will find me. It's it's God's promises and His sovereignty over our lives that should fuel our prayers, that should cause us to pray more. Uh, Jeremiah 33, verse 2, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is His name. Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. God will answer prayer, brothers and sisters. If you keep asking, you will keep receiving. Uh, This is not a one-time prayer. Uh, This is not a a one-time prayer. A receipt. We are to continually be asking God for that which He has promised us, for that which He has commanded us to pray, for that which we are in need of in our present moment. We are to be continually asking, and we will therefore be continually receiving from Him. This couldn't be more clear. Throughout the Gospels, Matthew 21, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Therefore, Mark 11, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Uh, The Apostle John, he's going to go through great labors to make this abundantly clear to us in both his gospel and in in his letter. John 14, whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. John 16, verse 23, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. 
Do you want to see the joy of the Holy Spirit to be full in your life? Do you want to see the joy of Christ in the church around you, in the brothers and sisters who are around you? Keep on asking. Keep on pleading. Keep on praying that God's will would be done in your life, in the life of those around you. Again, John tells us, 1 John 3, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and we do what pleases Him. Ask anything, anything in accordance with His will, anything in the unity to who He is, to what He has promised. Ask and keep on asking. Ask for any of these things and you will receive. You don't have to question in doubt. You can be like the man who went for bread knowing that he wasn't leaving until he had bread. You can be like Jacob who wrestled with God knowing that he wasn't stopping until he was blessed. You can go with that kind of boldness. Because God tells you to do that. He expects you to do that. See, while you don't recognize, we don't recognize, I don't recognize my need for God and the work of His Spirit as I ought, God understands it. He knows how weak we are. He knows how needy we are. And He gives us the means of prayer that we would constantly be recognizing how moment by moment dependent we are upon His grace and His influences. Otherwise, we get a little bit prideful. In about 3.4 seconds, when we start thinking, that, hey, Look what I did. It's pretty good. Oh, it's it's the grace of God. <clears throat> if any of you lacks wisdom, James, let him ask God, who gives gre- generously to all without re- reproach, and it will be given him. And many people look at these passages and they're like, "Hey, that's just a blank check prayer, man. You just you just write anything in that box and go and ask and plead and and boldly stand before the throne." Right? What do I mean by blank check prayer? Right? When somebody gives you a, a blank check, they just sign it at the bottom and hand it to you, and you go ahead and put in the amount, whatever you want. So if you want a million or two million or a hundred million, right? No, no, no. The, this prayer that Jesus is teaching us is not blank check prayer, right? And in fact, in in Luke, where we're where we're learning, being taught how to pray, Jesus has just got done telling us what we're to pray for. He's just got done giving us the scope of the target of that which God wills to do by our prayers. And and it is that scope that should guide us. Uh, James goes on to tell us in chapter 4, you ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly. How do you ask wrongly? To spend it on your passions. You ask me for things that I've never promised you. You ask me for things that only have to do with your physical well-being and luxury in this world. You treat prayer as if it's a, a genie bottle that you go and rub. Not as something that God uses as a means to further the work of His Holy Spirit. It's not a ministry of the Holy Spirit to send jets and planes and cars and automobiles. We don't find that in the Word of God anywhere. So it's not just a blank check prayer. Listen to John MacArthur here on prayer. It's not about changing God's mind. It's not about changing God's plans. It's not about giving Him information He doesn't have. It's not about a tweaking of the circumstances that He might not have anticipated. It's simply about being used by God. You can't be saved without believing. You can't be sanctified without obeying. And you can't enjoy the goodness of God in this life without participating in His unfolding purpose through your prayers and through your service to Him. End quote. This is about being used by God. God has ordained prayer as a means by which He will accomplish what He does. On this earth, what He does in you, what He does in His people. And He will answer your prayer. He will answer your request for His mercy, for His grace. So ask and you receive. 
Seek and you will find. Isaiah 45 says, I did not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, Seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. If you seek him, you will find him. If you seek him, you will find him. Psalm 105, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Be constantly seeking to walk in God's strength. Continually seeking the Lord's presence in your life. Keep on seeking. And you will keep on finding. It's not one time I sought the Lord and I found Him. You know, know, one time in my testimony back when I became a Christian, I sought the Lord and I found Him. That's not what Jesus is saying. Continue to seek God and you will find Him. Psalm 27, verse 8. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Isaiah 55. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon If you do not know God, or or maybe you're unsure, you don't know if your sins are forgiven, you wonder, you think, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or to hell. Uh, You're believing maybe the things that you learn about Jesus, but you have not confessed yet with your mouth, Christ is Lord. You have not said, He is my Savior and my God. Listen to what God's Word says. Seek after Him and keep seeking after Him. Don't stop. Continually seek the face of the Lord and you will find Him in and through Jesus Christ. Because of what He has done in the Gospel that you have heard. The Gospel that you would say, yeah, I I believe Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah, I, I, I believe that He was born. And that he lived a perfect life and that he was God and that he was a man. And I I believe that he died on a cross and and I believe that God raised him from the dead. And I believe that he's in control of this world. I believe all these things. Pray. Call upon God. Seek him. Trust in Christ and believe that you are a sinner. Turn from your sinful ways. Turn from your sinful thoughts. And run to the Lord, believing that He has died for your sins. Believing that Jesus Christ died for sinners. And believing that Jesus Christ died for you. Seek the Lord. Not one time. Not one time I did that and it didn't work out for me. Not twice I did that. Not, not you know, the last few years I've done that. Continually seek the Lord and you will find Him. God will be found by those who seek Him in and through Jesus Christ. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Put your faith and your trust in Him. If you seek Me, you will find Me. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. The Bible uses this analogy or this illustration of opening a door. To speak of the gospel going forward. To speak of the gospel uh, gaining ground, if you will. In Acts 14, verse 27, we read, And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them, and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. You see, God is the one who opens hearts. God is the one who makes the truth of the gospel plant roots down into the hearts of men. Pray, Christian, and keep on praying that God would open doors. That God would take His kingdom and His rule of the gospel over the hearts of men and women and would further that kingdom 
into the world. Into the world that you live in. Into the people who you sit next to. Or the children that are under your roof. Or the family that is in your care. Pray that God would open doors. Colossians 4, verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Pray, Paul says, pray that the Gospel would go forward. Pray that we would have doors open, opportunities available for us to be faithful to preach the Gospel. Christian, pray that you would have opportunities for the Gospel to be proclaimed. For hearts of men to be open and ready to hear the truth of who Christ is. Starting in your families. Starting with this child and that child. Pray that God would open hearts and opportunities and situations and circumstances and times that you would be faithful to bring the truth of Christ into that. That you would be the means, both by your prayers and by your faithful proclamation, to bring His kingdom forth. Pray that the hearts of your family, the hearts of your friends, your community, keep on knocking. Keep on asking God. Open. Allow the gospel to go forth and flourish. Keep asking for the gospel to bear fruit. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 9, But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, Paul says, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Trust the Lord. Trust His providence. Pray that His providence would guide and direct you, that, that the supernatural circumstances that you do not control and that you do not direct and govern, pray that they would guide you and lead you into wherever you go next. That you would be led by the Spirit. (coughs) That circumstances would open up and guide you into opportunities. Remember, prayer is a means that God uses to do His work and accomplish His will. God will act upon your prayers, Christian. He will do what He has promised. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And you will keep on receiving, and you will keep on finding, and you will keep on seeing doors open for the furtherance of His kingdom on this earth. If you were out hiking through the wilderness, you've got your backpack on, you've got your water in there, how much good does that water bottle do you if you will not drink it? It's 110, you're hiking along, you've run out of sweat. You know what happens when you run out of sweat? It's not good. You go downhill real fast once you start, stop sweating. You need that water. But you say to yourself, yeah, I got water in the back. I'm fine. I got water. What's the big deal? No, no, no. You're misunderstanding something. The means by which you receive the nourishment of the water is that you actually have to drink it. No, Dad, Dad, I got water. It's in the back. Son, you're not sweating anymore. You're, you're 100 yards behind the rest of the pack. You need to drink some water. It's, it's the means by which the nourishment of that water bottle will help you. Merely having the water in your backpack is not going to relieve your thirst. You must get it out and you must drink it. Do you understand? God has ordained prayer as the means by which the ministry of the Holy Spirit will have an effect in your life and in the life of those around you. I expect, as I'm sure you do, I expect that when I drink water, I will be nourished by it. I believe that wholeheartedly. Uh, I long for it when I'm thirsty. And I receive it with great thanksgiving when it comes and I've been famished for a long time. I remember hiking through Moab. Uh, This was on a spring break. And Moab is such a place that there's no water. Once you leave the parking lot in the well there, there's no water. And we were on a three-day backpacking trek. If you don't know anything about water, water's fairly heavy. So when you need to take enough for a group of six for three days, you fill up as much as you can. And that first day, 
my pack must have weighed 75, 85 pounds. And I was dogging it. I could not go anywhere. I was begging everyone, take some water, drink some water, put it in, get it, get rid of it. We have way too much water. And by day three, what do you know? About 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, we took our last drinks of water. With another seven to eight miles of a hike out in Moab heat and dryness. I have never been so grateful and thankful to get back to a cold cooler of Gatorade than on that trip. And we didn't have water. And we all took took liquid knowing that it was going to nourish us. Knowing that it was going to do what it's supposed to do. Do you expect God to work when you pray? Do you have the same expectation that merely by getting down on your knees, by bowing your head, by folding your hands, by speaking to God and asking Him when you have legitimate need, not emergent need, just regular, old, legitimate, I'm a sinner need? Do you expect that those prayers are being answered as you pray them? Jesus gives a final illustration here to instill confidence in verse 11. He says this, What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Christian, God is your Father. He's more than a friend that you go to in the middle of the night. He is your Father. If you, if you who have children, children who come to you with needs, children who sit there and say, Dad, 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 Dad! How many dads does it take, right? Sometimes more than that. But do you not go, do you not respond when you hear the cry of your child in the middle of the night? If you then who are evil, boy, there we get a good view of Christ's doctrine of humanity. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. We will not give our children things that are harmful, even when they ask for it. Oh, you want a blowtorch? Here you go. Have at it. No, we, we protect them because we love them. And we are not perfect parents, are we? We fail to protect our children at times. We fail to, to lead them in the way that we ought at times. And yet, we know our desire is for them. How much more? God, who is your Father, will He not give you good gifts even even when you don't hit the target on what you're asking for? Which isn't what is being said here. Pray. Pray. Pray in the way that Jesus has taught you to pray with boldness and with urgency. Don't be afraid to ask Him for what He has promised. Have your mind guided and led by the Scriptures and pray like the psalmist prayed, like the people of God in Acts prayed, like Stephen prayed, like these men prayed. Pray in this way like Jesus prayed. Be confident. Let us then with confidence, Hebrews tells us, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Yeah, but you might say, uh, why should I pray for what I already have? I sense you, you, you little Pentecostal. I see you there. Pray for more of the Holy Spirit. What's that? Second blessing? Hmm? Is that what you're going with here? Anybody? No? Okay. Why pray for what I already have? Isn't this some sort of charismatic Holy Spirit thing? You see, if you are a Christian, you have the person of the Holy Spirit. You do. You have Him. In all of His fullness, in all of His power, you have Him within you. 
He is the person of God who lives in you. And His power and the manifestation of His fruit and of His ministry in your life comes about as you pray. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. You have the Holy Spirit. He's in you. And the means by which God has ordained for the Holy Spirit to continue to work and to influence and to control and to further the gospel on this earth is prayer. Your prayer. Not because He needed you, but because He needed you to know that you need Him. He needs you to understand how desperately you need Him every minute, every moment. More and more of the influencing work of the power of the Spirit of God in and upon our lives. No different than the guy walking through the desert with water in his backpack. Got the Holy Spirit here? Right there. Well, pray. Pray that He would work in you because that's the means by which God has ordained the Holy Spirit to work. Can can it not be more clear? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Remember, prayer is the means God has appointed to produce and bring about the works of the Spirit of God in us and in the world. Yeah, you know, I've got an excavator, but I just prefer to dig with my hands. Yeah, I've got weapons, guns, but I, I like to hunt with bare hands. Yeah, you know, I've got water, but I'd prefer to be famished and dehydrated in the desert. It's just so hard to drink. Yeah, yeah, I've got the Holy Spirit, but ah, it's too hard to access His power by prayer. Just kind of like to do things on my own. I'm, I'm really a self-empowerment you know, empowerment kind of a guy. So you've gone beyond pride to stupid, foolish pride. <laughs> you've left proud, and you've went past it. Brother Brad and Pastor Nick, they've got mattress stores, right? And what if they went and decided to open up the mattress store, and they got the, the building, and they filled it with mattresses, and then they sat there and they said, All right, we got a storefront. We got mattresses. Let's sell them. But they didn't do any marketing. They didn't put a sign on the door. Uh, They didn't put any Facebook ads out. They didn't put any yard signs out. They just have a store with mattresses in there. We've got mattresses. Oh, man, we've got many, many more you can sell. They'll come. We just make a phone call. They're here. Approximately, how many mattresses will they sell? Approximately. Zero. If they do not use the means by which the customers are notified and made aware of the mattresses that they have to sell, they're not doing anything. See, everything runs on means. (laughs) There's a means, there's always a means to an end. And the means that God has appointed, the way in which God has commanded the Spirit of God to work and to move is prayer. Jesus tells his disciples right here, if you want to see the power of God revealed, then pray. And pray like this man who boldly, for just a few loaves of bread, pleads with his neighbor in the middle of the night. Then ask and ask. It is God's plan to use prayer as the means by which he brings about the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and in this world. When we pray, God acts. When we pray, the Spirit is poured out into our hearts and into our lives. This is the confidence John tells us, 1 John 5. This is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. That's exactly what Jesus is teaching us here. You can know that you have the requests that you ask 
You can know and you can continue to ask and ask and seek. Jesus has taught them what to be praying for and He is instilling confidence for us to pray with boldness and urgency without being ashamed to keep on asking and to keep on praying for God to do what He has promised. For God to empower us to to satisfy us with His presence. If we want to experience the love and the joy and the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control that come as fruit of the Spirit of God, then you must depend upon God in every moment of your life through prayer. This is what it means to pray without ceasing. So it means to understand that I have constant, daily, moment-by-moment needs for the Spirit of God to influence and work in my life and in my heart. And in the life and in the heart of every Christian around me, including those who don't know Christ. I have need of this. God, I, we have need of Your Spirit to act. Ask Him to help you. Seek His wisdom. Seek His joy. Knock upon heaven's doors that opportunities for the gospel would go forward in your life, that you would be a useful servant in fruitful ministry in the life of His church. Pray for grace and strength to be patient with your wife during the hard discussion. Ask the Spirit to keep you from anger and outbursts at the moment of the time of temptation. Not just in the morning when you're preparing your heart. Yes, then. In the moment of temptation. Cry out to God then. Recognize your need then. Go boldly to the throne of grace at that present hour. Ask Him to strengthen you. And to fill you with joy in any circumstance. In all your roles. Ask for grace to love the brothers and sisters just as Christ has loved you. Seek to know Him in His Word. Keep on seeking. You will keep on finding. You will keep on receiving. Doors will continue to open. And He said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. And I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Final thought. After teaching them what to be praying for, Jesus encourages the disciples and us to be praying confidently without shame or hesitation as we present our request before God. We are to keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking upon heaven's door for more and more of the work of the Spirit of God in us and in this world. Pray with confidence, dependently seeking Him in every moment of life, knowing that God is good and delights in giving good things to His children who pray. Father, help us to pray in this manner. Help us to come before you with expectance, knowing that you will respond to our prayers and answer them in the moment of our need, at every hour, at all times. Lord, help us to pray in this way. May you be glorified. May your spirit work even now in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's stand and sing hymn 409, Come My Soul.
your plea prepared. Kathleen's going to play through this once. It's a fairly uh, easy tune, and then we will sing 409. Come by.